What a celebration it was as we celebrated Easter, as we celebrated Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And uh, last week we confessed together several times that He indeed is risen. We confess that the risen Christ has the power over sin and over death. And Easter was great. It was a great week. It was a high point uh, for the Christian faith. But we all know today, if it hasn't already happened last week, it'll probably happen this week. You can mark it down. We know that as exciting as Resurrection Sunday, as exciting as Easter Sunday is, we know uh, that there are more days in the year than just that day. And today, you probably know that a lot of days are filled with sadness and heartache. And some days, maybe some weeks, and for some of you, maybe it's been years you've been going through not just heartache, but a season of doubt. Of doubting the truth of the resurrection, or if you still embrace the resurrection, you are doubting, what does it mean for me? What does God want for me? And so we celebrated Easter last week. But we know that doubt enters in, and that doubt often, if we're not careful, it will take the place of our faith. Maybe today, you find yourself in a position where on some level, and probably different people are at different levels, at some level, your faith is wavering, and there is doubt. I've got bad news and good news for you. If you wrestle with doubt, I've got bad news and good news. First, the bad news. Let's get that out of the way. The bad news is, in the Christian walk, if you allow those doubts to uh, take root, and if you water them and you uh, feed those doubts, they will spring up. And if you're not careful, those doubts will crush and they will wreck your faith. We have all seen people that have gone through seasons of doubt And we've all seen people that have been shipwrecked in their faith. And part of that was because the doubts that they kept feeding and feeding and feeding, and finally those doubts consumed them. That's the bad news. The good news, and it may not look like good news at first, but you're going to see from God's Word it is good news. The good news is that the disciples... The disciples who were around that very first Easter, the disciples who followed Jesus and walked with Jesus for three and a half years, the disciples, you're going to see that even after they encountered the risen Christ, they quickly began to develop doubts of their own. But the good news is Jesus did not leave them in their doubt. Jesus did not leave them where they were. And we see through Jesus's interaction with those first disciples' doubts, we see how Jesus will provide the victory for your struggles and your doubts and your valleys as well. If you believe today that Jesus can give the victory, say amen. This morning we're going to look at a message about the doubts after Easter, Easter doubts. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Go to Luke's Luke's Bible, Luke's uh, uh, book of the Bible, and go to Luke 24. And when you get there, go to verse 33. And this morning, let's look at dealing, or how Jesus deals with our Easter doubts. Luke chapter 24 and verse 33. I just, I just feel impressed, and I 
I can't help myself, and this is in a good way. I just looked out and saw Brother Gary Holman here today. If you are glad that our brother has been battling cancer, if you're glad that he is with us in worship today, say amen. Glad that he is here. Dealing with doubts. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 33. Now, Jesus has already revealed himself several times. This is after uh, the third day, after that uh, glorious victory over death and hell and the devil. And he's uh, come forth from the tomb and he's revealed himself. And the last time he's revealed himself was to two disciples on the Emmaus Road. He revealed himself on the Emmaus Road to two folks. And that has just occurred, all right? So verse 33, Jesus just revealed himself, or has revealed himself to two disciples on this road called Emmaus, all right? 33, and they rose up the same hour, these disciples, and they returned to Jerusalem... And they found the eleven. So these are the closest disciples, minus Judas, who was the betrayer, so he's no longer in the picture. But they come to this uh, room, and the eleven disciples are there. They found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them. So there's more than just the eleven, apparently. The eleven that are there, and them that were with them. And they said... They were saying, when they walked in, that the folks were saying already, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So they tell them when they show up apparently, they say the Lord is risen and he has revealed himself to Simon. And these two guys that had been on the Emmaus Road that Jesus had revealed himself to them, they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them or to them in the breaking of bread. So they're talking about Jesus. And they're talking about the resurrection. And they're wrestling with and grappling with and trying to get their minds around the fact that Jesus, who died on a cross and was placed in a tomb, has now revealed himself to several different people. Now, I love this. As they're talking about Jesus, Jesus makes an appearance. Now, sometimes, you ever, been, you ever been talking about somebody and they came up on you? Maybe at church, they walked up on you. And sometimes you're glad for that. And maybe once or twice in your life, and hopefully after the first or second time, you learn not to do it anymore, you got a little embarrassed because you're like, oh, I'm no, that's not good. They just walked up on me. Look what happens. As they thus spoke, verse 36, Jesus himself, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be unto you. He he said, he came, and Jesus said, Peace unto you. But verse 37 says, They were terrified, and they were afraid, and they were frightened, and they supposed that they had seen a spirit. And I mean a scary spirit, a devilish spirit, a, a spirit that does not mean to do them good. So they were afraid, and they were terrified. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And maybe Jesus, I know Jesus today knows your trouble. And he says that to you today. Why are you troubled? Said the disciples, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts, troubling thoughts, arise in your hearts? Behold my hands that had been crucified. Behold my hands and my feet. And it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, when he'd said this, he showed them his hands 
and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy, so they're not joyous yet, they're still concerned. They wondered. And he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you. Do you not remember what I said to you? Jesus said, Do you not remember what I told you, that all things must be fulfilled? All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Lord, help us today, Lord. Help us for our understanding to be opened that we may see Jesus just as he is. So he opened their understanding, verse 46, and he said unto them, thus it is written, or this is what is written in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Thus it is written, and thus it behoves for Christ had to suffer and arise from the dead the third day. Why? Why did this occur? That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you, those witnesses sitting there gathered around, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. What is the promise that Jesus gives these scared, uh, scared disciples, these frightened disciples. He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tell you in the city of Jerusalem until you, or until you will be, endued with power from on high. They are afraid and they are scared, but Jesus says there is a power and he promised that the Holy Spirit would come to them and he's telling them that's going to occur and when it comes, you're not going to be scared and you're not going to be frightened. You're going to be endued. Uh, you're going to be uh, enlivened the very power of God. Doubts. Doubts. No doubt last week. There were those on Easter Sunday in churches around the globe who maybe would admit there were people there in churches, no doubt, in, in all around the world of people who would admit that Jesus is real, but those same people last week allowed their doubt to stop them from publicly confessing and professing Him as their Savior and Lord. Doubts. Perhaps today you, perhaps today you've accepted that Jesus is God's Son, but in your mind you doubt that He's actually going to return uh, to judge this world and to judge sin and to judge sinners. Doubts. Maybe you doubt that God's Word is sufficient to guide you. Oh, you trusted in Jesus. And you believe in Him, and you're trying to follow Him, just as those original disciples did. But when it comes to God's Word, you have some doubt today. Maybe you doubt. You doubt, is it possible for me to really obey the commands of Scripture? I mean, when it comes to marriage, and sex, and controlling my tongue, and not gossiping, and teaching my children, and honoring my mother and father. I mean, I doubt I can really... Do that. Oh, I know the Bible says to, and I know Jesus has said, I'm a dude with the power of the Holy Spirit to do it, but there is doubt in your mind that you can do what Jesus commands. Doubts. What doubts do you face today? This morning I want to give you two warnings and a word of encouragement. Two warnings and a word of encouragement when it comes to doubt. Uh, these two 
warnings come from this interaction that we see with Jesus and the disciples. And the first warning is this. Doubt frequently leads to fear. Doubt frequently leads to fear. Look at verse 36 and 37 again. And as they spoke, as they were speaking, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and they supposed that they had seen a spirit. They doubted that that was literally Jesus in his resurrected body. They doubted and thought it must be a spirit. Although they knew he was risen, although they knew that Jesus had just spoken peace to them, they feared. And they showed this fear by believing that this was a ghost or a spirit. Now, when the one who stills fears says peace to you, why are you still afraid? Uh, when Jesus says to Mike and Rosa with baby Jackson, says peace, I've got this. When uh, the Lord says to those that are battling illness, when the Lord says peace, I've got this, and whether you stay or whether you go, believe me, it's going to be better. When the Lord says peace to those struggling with illness, why do we still doubt? Why do mother and fathers that want to raise their children the way that God's Word says, why do they sometimes still have doubts? Why? Oh, the devil knows. He knows to play on your fears of the future, and he knows how to play on the fears of your own security. And the devil doesn't have a whole lot of tricks in his bag, but he's got a few that he's used over and over again through the centuries. And he knows one of the best ways to defeat you is by playing on those doubts and encouraging those doubts that arise in your heart. Here is the one who had calmed the stormy seas in the presence of these disciples. And he says, peace to them, but they're still worried. Here is the one who had healed the sick and the lame in their presence, and yet they were still concerned. Why were they terrified of Jesus? They had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They knew that he had control over death itself. And yet when he returned from the dead, they were afraid, even though they had already seen the power that he possessed. Why do you doubt Jesus today? Why do you continue to feed those doubts? We're flesh, and we're fallible, and we're frail. And thankfully the Bible says the Lord is aware of that. That He has seen us, and He knows we are dust, it says. When you first develop that doubt, that is part of human experience. But when you feed that doubt, and you allow that doubt to fester, and you run with that doubt instead of listening to and running to Jesus. Why? Why, like the disciples, do we not trust when Jesus says peace to you? I think I know part of the reason the disciples were afraid. I think I know part of the reason that they were worried that day. And maybe you're worried about something. Maybe you're a newer convert and you're worried, I don't think I can really do this. Maybe you're an older convert and you're worried, I don't know that I can finish the race the way I really thought I could. Why are they afraid? I think one reason they're afraid, that they're terrified, is because they had run and hid from Jesus just a few days before. Here is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers come and take them. And yes, Peter stood up at first. And yes, Peter even followed. But when the adversity got hot, 
Even Peter denied that he knew Jesus. And Peter fled and ran like all the rest. Yes, the beloved disciple John apparently at some point did go back to the cross to be there with Jesus, but that was after John had ran like all the rest. I believe one reason they're afraid is because when you bail on your friends and you run from your friends and you abandon them, what you expect is retribution. What you expect is revenge. Oh, there are countless movies, right? I mean, there are countless, countless movies where somebody has great friends and they get in trouble and their friends abandon them and they die. Maybe an army attacks them or the law comes for them or, or an outlaw gang or whatever it is. We've all seen those movies where somebody thinks they've got uh, great friends and they abandon them. They leave them. And what happens in those movies nine times out of ten? Nine times out of ten in those movies, when that happens, the one that is abandoned, if they live, the plot of the movie is they come back for revenge. They come back to get you. They come back uh, to, to make things right, to get the revenge they need. So I think we can understand why they're afraid. Because here's the one who has all power, who has all authority. And the one who has power and has all authority is the one that they abandoned. And now the one that they abandoned is back. And so I think we know at least partly why they were probably afraid. But Jesus speaks peace to them and they are still afraid. Listen today. Yes, there is rightness to be afraid of some things that are unknown for a moment and there's rightness to be afraid when we get sick and there's rightness to be afraid for your children. But here's the thing. What you better be careful of is when the Lord says peace to you and He says, I've got this, you are in a spiritual battle there and the question is, Will you follow the Holy Spirit where it leads in God's Word? And will you believe that Jesus indeed has said peace to you? Because if you do not, be careful. Because doubts can lead to fear. And fear is a dangerous thing for the follower of Jesus. Yes, yes, I'd want revenge. But my friends, today that is the great difference between Jesus and me and the difference between Jesus and you is Jesus did not come to His disciples to get revenge. He came to speak words of peace and words of life and to give them a new start. If you are glad that Jesus has not come for revenge on you, but He's come to say peace to you, say amen. Jesus said peace. And today He says peace to you. Yes, your sin condemns you. And I know there's an ongoing struggle with sin. I experience it myself. But I also know that in the midst of the battle that Jesus says, peace. Get the forgiveness you need. I'll give you the forgiveness. Ask for the forgiveness you need and I will give it to you. And I will show you all you need to know through this Word. Today Jesus says to you, peace. So today, if you have doubts, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not attacking you for the development when those doubts first start. That's part of being a frail human being. But I would say to you, what you do with your doubts, now there's the rub. What are you going to do with those doubts? Are you going to wallow in them? Are you going to stay in them? Are you going to allow the devil to use that as a playground to defeat you? Or are you going to take those doubts to Jesus? Today I encourage you to take your doubt to Jesus because doubt frequently leads to fear. And this is the problem with fear. So here's the second thing. 
doubts frequently lead to fear, and fear will eclipse your faith. Doubts frequently lead to fear, and when you run in fear, fear will eclipse your faith. Here's what's so crazy about these guys being afraid at that moment. If you read the Gospels, Jesus has already appeared four times to his followers. And every time it's been wonderful. Every time it's been good. Every time it's been great. So there were already four things that had happened where Jesus did not get revenge and Jesus did not hurt them. All four times Jesus comes and it's peace to them. He's come to bring peace. Mary saw him first and she went and told the disciples. And the other women would, who, were, who were there would see Jesus as well at the tomb. And then he appeared to these two on the road to Emmaus. And Peter had already seen him as well. For three years, the disciples had witnessed Jesus' ministry. The teaching, the healing, the praying. They had seen it all. And Jesus had told them. He'd already told them that he would be killed. That he would be buried. And that he would rise. But they do not show faith. Through the doubts that they develop, and it leads to fear, and fear has eclipsed the faith of the disciples. And that is how it works. Doubt leads to fear, and fear replaces your faith. Many of you know the story of Gordon McKenzie, even if you don't know, know his name, you know his story. Uh, Gordon McKenzie worked for Hallmark. And he worked for Hallmark, and not only did he come up with greeting card type stuff, he also was interested in research. And so uh, Gordon, Gordon uh, McKinney began to visit classrooms all across America. Beginning classrooms all across America. And he would ask, starting in the first grade, he would ask, how many artists are in the room? He would ask the kids, how many artists are in the room? And Gordon McKenzie said, when you started first grade, and he would ask them, how many artists are in the room? All the kids would raise their hands. All of them saw themselves as an artist. Well, you would get to third grade. And from first grade to third grade, it went from all the kids raising their hands. And by the way, this was all over the place, not just one place, all over the place. First grade, everybody's an artist. By third grade, maybe 10 out of 30 kids would raise their hands. By the time you got to sixth grade, only one or two, 11-year-old kids, 12-year-old kids, by the time you get to sixth grade, only one or two would raise their hands because they had become self-conscious. They had become fearful. Fearful because they knew, well, I'm not good enough to be an artist. I'm not as good as this one or that one. I'm not an artist anymore. And that just developed because they became afraid that they weren't as good as somebody else. And he said that was all over the place. By the time they get to be sixth grade, only a couple would raise their hand. I am an artist. Afraid. Afraid that the other people in the class, no, you're not. You are not an artist. My friends, watch out for doubt. Because doubt leads to fear. And when fear takes over, it will eclipse what God has for you. It will eclipse what God wants for you. Fear will eclipse what Jesus has already done if you allow that fear to run wild in your life. Oh, we yesterday, yesterday, of course, it was a rainy day, and we ran some errands, and we went shopping, and the boys came over here to church with me for a little while and watched some uh, cartoons on the computer while I did some church work. 
And then after we got done, we went to Mama Rosa's. We went to go eat at Mama Rosa's to eat pizza. And uh, already, already, I told you all the other week that I had to get on to Owen because we were in the car together on the way to church and we had it on Christian music and Owen said, I want to hear some of that JT, some of that Justin Timberlake. Well, I, let me get this out of the way. Brenda Emma is in big trouble because she sent me a message the other day and said, JT is coming to Tennessee. Well, we're in the, we're in the restaurant. Before we go in the restaurant, early in the day, one of those, and it's on a kid's station, one of this kid's song that JT does, I got that sunshine, wherever, it is. I don't know what he says. And, Y'all know that song? And so, yeah, you know it, Kayla. All right, Kayla, see, now we know who listens to JT. You just gave yourself. Hey, Owen's singing the song. He's singing it, and he's singing loud, and he's getting with it. And he was already jazzed up from that JT song. We get in Mama Rosa's, and we've been sitting there for a few minutes, and the music's playing in the background, and Owen, at our table, Owen starts going. Ethan's sitting next to me. Ethan's sitting next to me, and uh, Ethan's sitting next to me, and Ethan goes, he goes, don't do that. And I thought, good. He's grown up. He's going to tell him not to dance in public. He says, don't do that. Those moves aren't any good. Ethan gets out of his seat. This is going to get interesting. Ethan gets out of his seat. And I'm not going to do it in public because it would be obscene for a man my age to do it. But Ethan started going, first let me show you the moves that you never do with your woman. And he started doing these crazy stuff. Well, I asked him, I said, well, what moves do you do? And Ethan started going, He's not afraid. He's not afraid yet. I mean, he was happy. He was glad. It had been a great day. Wasn't afraid. Not afraid. Laura and I sat at that table. Oh, my goodness. If we do anything, we're going to draw more attention to it. Would they just stop? No fear. Let me tell you something today. Let me tell you something today. Don't, don't dance to the tune of JT. But you better in your life, you better keep dancing to the tune of Jesus. You better keep dancing for what He's done. You better keep celebrating. You better keep believing. And you better watch out because the devil wants to infuse doubt and he wants to infuse fear and he wants you to begin to believe. I've gone too far and Jesus does not mean peace for me anymore. And He does not mean good for me anymore. And there's no coming back from what I've done and what I've gone in my life. And I want to tell you today that the good news did not stop on the third day. It began on the third day. And it Jesus says to His friends, that left him to die if he says when he first comes to them peace unto you and my friends I'm quite confident in what Jesus wants to give you today is peace as well they abandoned him they left him and they doubt, is this really Him? And then they are afraid. If it really is Him, He cannot mean good for me because I did not do good for Him. And we know how the world works. You return evil for evil. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus speaks peace unto these men. Some of you today, you're afraid to confess your sin. You're afraid what one of your friends or some of your family will think. They know how wicked I am. They know how bad I am. They know all the things that I've done. I can't confess Jesus today. You are afraid. Some of you today are afraid to tell others about Jesus. The devil has convinced you to be crippled and uh, just stagnant in your faith. And he's convinced you, don't, don't say anything about Jesus. 
Don't do that because you might mess up later on. Don't do that. Uh, somebody may not like you. Oh, as if somebody not liking you is the worst. You know what I've learned? You can try as hard as you want for everybody to like you. They're not going to. So some of you need to get over the fear of telling others about Jesus because they won't like you because the truth is some people ain't going to like you anyway. Can I get an amen? Just, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to beg on that one. Because that's the truth. Because I see a room full of people that too many of you are paralyzed by fear to tell other people about Jesus because you're afraid. They may not like me. My friends, there's no reason to be afraid. Because Jesus is greater. He is greater than those that may not like you. Some of you are afraid to invite others to church. You're afraid to take advantage of the new job opportunity that God has provided because you're afraid of the unknown. You're afraid. Some of you are afraid to take a new opportunity. Some of you are afraid to stay where you are because you don't believe that the Lord can really continue to minister or use you or to help you. Your situation's too bad where you are, so you've got to run, and Jesus wants you to stay. Some of you are afraid to admit that you're wrong. Some of you men are afraid to be the leader in your family that God wants. And some of you ladies are afraid to trust God completely because of the pain that someone else has caused you when you trusted them. Doubt leads to fear. And fear will eclipse your faith. My friends, Jesus did not come to bring you fear. Jesus did not bring fear to His disciples. And if you follow Him, it is not fear that He desires for you, but it is faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 could not be any clearer. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It is not. Fear that God has given, but it is power. And Timothy is affirming what Jesus has already said here in Luke, that I will tarry in Jerusalem and you will be endued with power from on high. Jesus had come to do good to the disciples, not harm. And today He wants you to step out and He wants you to trust Him, to trust that He means good for you as well. Proverbs 3, 27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Jesus says, do good to others because that's what He's interested in doing for His people. How does Jesus remove the doubt of the disciples? So if doubt is there, and if you run with that doubt or allow it to run you, that doubt will eventually create fear in your life because that's what the enemy has for you. It's fear for you. And so if that doubt eventually leads to fear... How does the doubt get removed? Well, look at what Jesus did. Verse 39, Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. He took a piece of meat and he ate it. That dealt with the first doubt. The first doubt was, he can't really be a human being. This has got to be a spirit. And so Jesus met those doubts and he confronted those doubts by showing himself. The second thing he did is he opened their understanding. Look at verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. That is what Jesus wants to do to you today. If you are here, Jesus has brought you here. So through his word, you may get a picture of him. You may get an image of him of the kind of Savior Jesus is. And today you've seen this picture through this word of who Jesus is. 
The second thing's happened today, just like with them. It's through the Word of God, understanding comes. And today you are fearful and you are doubting, but God has given you a word today. Do not be afraid and do not doubt, for it is peace and power that I give to you. So how did he remove the doubt? Or how did he deal with the doubt so that they may leave a place of fear and go to a place of faith? He showed himself. And he opened their understanding. And then finally, he gave them a great promise. A promise of power. Now look where this power is based. Go to verse 46. Right? We want the power of God in our life? Well, where is that power to be found? He said unto them, thus it is written. This is why it's been written. And this is why it behooved, or this is why Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Why did all this happen? That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the sea of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What, what is the power that the Holy Spirit is going to give them after Pentecost. He's going to come and give them the power to be His witnesses, to live into and to proclaim to others that Jesus indeed suffered and died and rose from the dead so the repentance and remission of sins would be possible. So the power that Jesus has for you is not a power in your own strength or a power in your own abilities. Jesus has given you a power that you may thrive and you may be victorious as a Christian because and through what He did on the cross. And see, that's part of the problem. Some of you are so afraid and your doubts are so running your life because you have forgotten where the power lies. The power does not lie within you. The power does not lie in the circumstances around you. The power lies with Jesus. The power lies with what He has done. And He has said, I will endue you. There will, there will be an enduing of power from on high. It's only possible because what He has done. You see, my friends, doubt leads to fear. And fear eclipses faith. But Jesus has spoken peace and He has revealed Himself. And He has opened the mind to the understanding of His Word. And He has given you the power that you need. A power that is greater than your fear. That's what you need. That's what they needed. How do these disciples, if you know the story, how do they go from being this group of afraid disciples to these men? who changed the world. It's through the power of God. You need power to overcome your doubt and your fears. And that power is paradoxically found in the broken body of Jesus. That is what's so interesting. He says, I'm going to give you power, but this power is not found in the places where we normally think we would find power. We think, I'll find power in other powerful people, right? I mean, that's why a lot of people are attracted to powerful people. And they look for a powerful person uh, to help them uh, in their life. Because they think, if I can attach to that powerful person, then maybe I'll be powerful as well. And here's the paradox of our faith. We're not looking for a powerful person. We're not looking for a powerful personality. 
We are not looking for any power that we can conjure up within ourselves. We are paradoxically looking for our power, not in strength, but in the weakness of Jesus' body broken for us because the truth of this world, the lost do not know the truth. You say, what is the, what is the great truth of the world? What is the great truth that all men seek for? What is it that holds the universe together? You know what it is? It is this, that power is not to be found in the powerful. Power, power is to be found in the broken body of Jesus for sinners. And so say, where is the source of my power to overcome this fear? It's not in you. It's in Jesus. And so you need to look today anew at the hands and the feet and the brokenness of our Savior. Power is found in Jesus' broken body. Power is found in the forgiveness of sins, not in revenge, but in the forgiveness of sin. Power is found in the Holy Spirit's power in your life as it empowers you to forgive others and to share the good news of forgiveness with those who need it around you. I know today we have Easter doubts, and Easter comes and Easter goes. And we celebrate rightly, and it is a great time. And then the doubts enter in, and the doubts eat away, and we become afraid. And we no longer dance with the truth of Easter. We no longer celebrate. We find ourselves overcome by the worry and cares and defeats of life. But my friend, Jesus did not come for you to be run by your doubts. He did not come today to give you a spirit of fear. He, come, he came to give you faith and to give you the power of His Spirit. Jamie and Nathaniel, they've experienced this power of Jesus. And they know what Jesus can do. My friend, do you? Do you know what Jesus can do? If you've never asked Him to save you, What's this baptism about I saw earlier today? Oh, it's about a sinner who just recognized he's a sinner and knows that Jesus died for him and has forgiven him of his sins. And now he's endued with a new power, the power of forgiveness, the power of the Holy Spirit. If you need forgiveness of your sins today, listen. You take those Easter doubts and you give them to Jesus and you lay them with Jesus and he will save you today. If you believe Jesus can save today, say amen. Maybe you're already a believer. But like the disciples, you are huddled in your little room. A little room of your mind. Mind can be a horrible place. It can be a beautiful place. It can be horrible as well. And in your mind, you have constructed this little room. And you are afraid and you are in fear. I'm never going to be married. The marriage I'm in is horrible. It's never going to be right. My children are never... My children are never going to get out of this mess that they've made of their life. I'm alone. My spouse is dead and gone. Children either live far away or I have no children. I'm alone and that's going to be the end of my existence. That's it. Oh, I can't live the way Jesus wants. That's not how the powerful do at school. That's not how they act. That's not how they behave. My friends, I want to tell you today that Jesus did not die on Good Friday 
so you could lock yourself in a place of mental fear. He died to forgive your sins and to give you power so that your life could glorify His Father. So today, let go of that fear. And today, take that doubt. Take that doubt to Jesus so that your life may glorify His Father as well. We all have doubts. The question is, that's okay. Let me say that again. This is a place where it's okay to bring your doubts. We want you to bring your doubts here. But it's what do you do with those doubts? And what you better do is take them to Jesus now before those doubts run your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just bow your heads right now? <clears throat> I, I want to, I mean, everybody, everybody, just don't, don't look. Respect every other person here. Do not look around the room. Keep your head bowed. And I just want to know today, because I got a feeling this is a lot of people. I got a feeling every hand in this church should go up. If you would be honest today, and you would say, like the disciples, there are areas of my life where doubt runs wild. Would you lift your hand if that's you? There they go. See, all over this room. See, this is what happens to you after Easter. It's not just you. It's not just you. It's the disciples and it's everybody else because the devil, he can't stop Jesus. So he's going to try to stop what's happening in your life by introducing doubt into your life and allowing fear to run wild. Now, if you lifted that hand, this is now an opportunity for you to come and to take that to Jesus. Oh, there are other ways to do it, don't get me wrong. But today, this is a way for you to come and to kneel and to confess and to say to Jesus, here is my doubt. Lord, would you take it? Would you deal with it? Would you give me this power and remove this fear? you trust Jesus enough to come today? Don't wait for anybody else. If there is doubt in your life that you've been trying to hide from Jesus, come today and to give it to Him. He speaks peace to you. And He has the power you need in your life. Dear Lord, I ask right now, Lord, so many lifted their hands. And Lord, I know some of those folks need to come and they know they need to come. And they need to confess those doubts to you. And Lord, they need to hear today the words of peace that You have for them. So Lord, I ask that Your Holy Spirit would move right now. And those that need to respond would respond. And Lord, would You get the glory. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There